With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Public Kamad Afyud Beis, page 12. We begin towards the bottom of Yad Aleph, on the base, page 11b, about eight lines from the bottom, because we're going to just go through the story again so we get a full understanding of it. If Amr Ula, Ula said, Amr Ula, in the name of Rabbi Lazar, Hilchas Avodim. The halacha is that a Balchov, someone who's owed money, he's allowed to collect, he's allowed to take the money that's owed to him as a slave. So the slave can be a repayment for the money that's owed to him. Now the implication of that is clear from the Hemshech of the Gemara, from the continuation, and that is that we're not talking about a guy who you're coming to the guy himself who owes you the money. Because to tell you that that would be obvious, of course you can take from his slave, if that's all he has to pay you with. But actually what we're going to see is that the implication is that we're talking about if he's coming to the children, let's say the guy who owed him money passed away, he's coming to the children to pay him back, so he can even collect from the slave. Amr Rav Nachman, Ula. So Rav Nachman, he doesn't like this statement. He says to Ula, Amr Lazar, did Rav Lazar say, Afidum Yasmi, that even from the inheritors, from the children, the, the orphans, he's allowed to collect from a slave? So he responded, Ula didn't want to be confrontational, so he said, No, it means from the guy himself. So Rav Nachman said, What do you mean from the guy himself? Of course he can take from a slave, he can even take from the shirt off of his back. And this just points out over here, when we say that it's the shirt off of his back, it means obviously if he has another shirt. So Ula, again, doesn't want to say, even though he really holds this way, he doesn't want to say that he's talking about a case meaning a normal case where he's collecting from the kids. He actually designated that when the guy's going to collect, he's going to collect from the slave itself. The slave is going to be the place where he's going to collect. So when you designate the slave as a place to collect from, even if the guy passes away, and the children are the ones who are, who are paying off the loan, they still have to pay it over from the, from the slave itself. Like the statement of Rabbi says, Let's say a person made his slave to be a place to collect from, and then he went and he sold it. So the Balcho, the person who's owed money from before, has the right to go to the person who bought the slave and take it away from the person who bought it. However, if he made his, his ox to a place where it's going to be collected from, and then he sold it, so the person who bought it is not going to lose it to the Balchov, to the person who's owed money to. My time, what's the difference? Like we said yesterday, that this case, so there's a there's a call in, the, in regards to in Eved, when, when someone makes it into an apotiki, the place that's going to be collected from, so people are expected to know that, a buyer is expected to know that in fact this is something that, that's going to end up, that could get end up getting taken away. So therefore, it's a buyer beware. Unless they call it, but in the case where you have an ox, so it's not so clear, it's not well known. So now, so we established that this case was talking about where why are you able to collect from an avid, even though normally an avid you can't collect from. The reason in this case that you're allowed to collect from the avid is because uh, you made it a place that it has to be collected from here. And that's why even after the children they lost their father and the father passed away, they still are going to be able to collect or pay off the loan with this avid, the person who's coming to collect his money. After he left, meaning after Rav Nachman left, so Ula says to the people who are there, in fact, Rav Lazar did that even if he hadn't made an apotiki, so Rabbi Lazar held that in fact you can't collect from the from the slave. Why? Because Rashi explains because an evid is considered like karka, just like a piece of land. No matter what, it's going to be something that's going to be able to be collected from later on, even from the children. So too, an evid is similar to karka, and Rav Nachman held not that way. I'm Rav Nachman. So Rav Nachman said, Ishtamten Ula. Ula was just trying to get away from me. He was afraid that I was going to knock him out with some kind of svar, with some kind of understanding, with a different proof, but he didn't really address my point. Hava Uvda bin Harda. There was a story that, a similar story where someone came to collect from a slave that had been inherited in an Arda. 
And the judges of Naharda allowed him to collect from a slave. There was another story similar in Pumadisa. And Rav Chanam Abrizna, I guess he was the Rav in that town, he also allowed them to collect from the slave. Not like what Rav Nachman said. Rav Nachman, so Rav Nachman said to them, You better give it back, meaning give back the slave, because you didn't have a right to collect from that. And if you don't listen, I'm going to take away... Your palaces. So Rabbi says to Rav Nachman, We've got Ula, we've got Rabbi Lazar, we have the judges of Naharda, and we have Rav Nachman. They all hold that, in fact, you are allowed to go, if you're a Balchov, and take from the Yusomim, from the orphans, and take their slave. Who do you hold like that? You hold that you can't do that. So he responded and said, I know, yodana. I know the following Bryce, the Tani Avimi, that Avimi learned. The special document that allows you to collect a loan after the Shemitah year has passed, so it only works if the person who owes the money has some kind of piece of land, but not if they have an Evid. Already here we see that an Evid is not Domelakakos, so a slave is not similar to land. If you have some movable objects that you want to buy along, you want to acquire along with a piece of land, so that's okay. They're not allowed to be acquired along with an Evid. An Evid again is not considered like Karka. So why don't we say that this is actually an argument between different Tanoim, whether an Evid, a slave, is considered like ground. Let's say somebody sold a slave and some kind of property. If a person did a chazaki, did an action showing that he's taking ownership of the slaves, but he didn't do anything in regards to the property, so he's not acquired the property. If let's say he did some kind of action to show ownership of the karka, of the piece of land, so he has not, along with that, acquired the slaves. Let's say he's trying to acquire some kind of property along with some kind of movable objects. So once he does an acquisition uh, of the property, so then he's also acquired those movable objects. But if he did an acquisition with the movable objects, so you can't get the piece of land along with it. Let's say he's trying to get a slave or slaves along with movable objects. So if a person did some kind of action showing his ownership of the slave, it has not along with that acquired the movable objects. And again, the same thing is true in regards to the movable objects. If a person does an act of acquisition, so he does not along with that acquire the slave. We have another b'raisa. That if in fact you did an act of acquiring of the slave, then you are able to acquire along with that some kind of movable objects. Why don't we say that this is what they're arguing about? That the second b'raisa that says that in fact you can acquire the movable objects along with the slave is because he holds that a slave is considered like ground, like property. And therefore that's why you can acquire those and those movable objects along with it. And the other b'risa holds that no, that the slaves are considered like metalton, are considered like movable objects, and therefore you can't acquire anything along with them. Amar of Ika braid the Rav Ami. So Rav Ika says, the son of Rav Ami says like this, Everyone agrees that in fact slaves are considered, not like Rav Nachman, they are considered like ground, like property. And this that we said, that you can acquire a movable object along with a slave, shopper, so that's very good. So why does the second b'risa say that you cannot acquire a slave you cannot acquire a movable object along with a slave. Because that price holds that if you want to use property to acquire something along with it, so it has to be similar to that which the verse says from the, the Makur, the source, 
where we find that you can acquire movable objects along with a piece of property, it says that it has to be cities that are protected in a certain sense. They're like 90, that they don't move around. The Tanam, we learned in the Mishnah, if you have some kind of objects that are movable, so they can be acquired with a piece of property, along with a piece of property. When you're acquiring that property with money, with a document, or some kind of acquisition. How do we know this? Chizkiah says, the verse says, their father gave them numerous presents, the Kesav Lazav, the Mikdanais, all kinds of different things, money, uh, silver and gold, etc. with these cities Behuda and Yehuda. So therefore we see that it has to be similar to that. And therefore this price holds that you can't use an Evet, even though it's considered like Karkis, it's considered like property, but he's like movable property and therefore you can't acquire something along with him. Ikada Amri, there are those who say, Amar of Ika, Braider of Ami. There of Ika, the son of Ami, said as follows, the Kulayama, Adi Everyone agrees that in fact the slave is considered like a movable object, like Rav Nachman said, not like Ula and Rav Lazar, etc. This we learned by that you're not able to acquire a movable object along with a slave shopper, so that's very good. This that we said that you can acquire a movable object along with a slave. Why is that? But I don't know all of that's because the slave is actually carrying or it's, he's wearing whatever movable object they're trying to acquire along with a slave. So the Gemara asks, Let's say they're still upon the, the slave. What does that help us? I'm sorry, at best, it's a field or a chutz or a courtyard that's moving. When you have a moving courtyard, that can't acquire anything for you. If you want to say that he's standing still, anytime we have something that if it's moving, you can't acquire. Even if it's standing or it's sitting, you also can't acquire that way. The Hilchasab Kafus and Halacha will be that how are you able to acquire through this slave where he's tied up and he can't move around on his own? And therefore he's considered like a Chatzrash Einam Alechas, a courier that doesn't move, and therefore you'd be able to acquire a movable object along with him once you're acquiring him as well. So the Gemara asks like this, In the previous Brises, so we said, that if let's say you want to acquire a piece of land along with slaves, and you do some kind of action of acquisition on a piece of land. So you do not acquire the slaves along with the piece of land. However, in this Brises, so it says, that you can acquire the slaves along with the piece of land. What's the understanding uh, of this contradiction between the two Brises? The Gemara answers, That the case over there, the reason that you are able to acquire the slaves along with a piece of land, is because the slaves are standing within that piece of land. Michla, we can deduce the high loikana kishein on the mesoicha. That the first price that says that you are not able to acquire the slaves along with the piece of land is because they're not standing within that piece of land. So honey, chalahach lishna dama revika bereder avami. It's good according to the to this version where revika bereder avami says avdi kimetatli dami that a slave is considered like movable objects. Hainu de i'm the mesoicha in iloy loy. That's why we, if they're standing upon the piece of land, then you can acquire them along with a piece of land. But if not, not but according to the version that says that in fact a slave is considered like a piece of land why did that have to actually be standing within the piece of land behold Shmuel said let's say he wants to sell one person wants to sell a second person ten different pieces of land in ten different places once he's acquired one of them so you're able to acquire all of them so therefore you should also be able to acquire slaves along with a piece of land since a slave is considered like a piece of land so the Gemara says, hold on a second. According to your very reasoning, according to this, the version that says that a slave is considered like movable objects, why do they even have to be standing upon a piece of land? We turn to Yabez Mabez, page 12b. We established that in general, if you want to acquire some kind of movable objects along with a piece of land, you do not have to have those movable objects upon a piece of land. So what are you going to say in regards to that? There's a difference between movable objects that are moving around, meaning a slave, from 
movable objects that don't move around. If you have a slave, so it has to actually be upon the piece of land because it's considered a movable object that moves around as opposed to a movable object that doesn't move around. Hachanami, so we could say over here as well, even according to the one who says that a slave is considered like a piece of, a piece of land, a piece of property, so there's a difference between a piece of land that moves around and a, diff- and a piece of land that does not move around. And avde mikarkoi denaidihu. So a slave is considered like a piece of property that moves around. Hasam sadanda arachadhu. But if you have a piece of land that doesn't move around and you want to acquire other pieces of land that don't move around, so the 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 land itself are all they're all connected in a certain sense. But you can't say that the slave is connected. That's why one piece of land, if you acquire it, so you can acquire other pieces of land along with it. But a slave you can't acquire along with a piece of land unless he's standing upon that piece of land. The Gemara continues. We said in the Mishnah that any kind of property that is not going to have me'ila, meaning it's property that does not belong to the temple, so then that's going to be something that can be damaged and have a, a, a responsibility to pay for. It's only a case where there's no problem of getting benefit from it. The word me'ila means you're not allowed to get benefit from that thing. But you can have a case where it's actually holy to the temple and you can still cause it damage and there'll be an obligation to pay. Mantana, who's this Brisa? Who's the Mishnah? I'm sorry. Rabbi Yechanan says that we're talking about a case of Kachim Kalim, of light level holy cases, of holy uh, sacrificial stuff. It's going to point to Rabbi who He holds that when you're talking about Kachim Kalim, a lighter level of holy things from the base of from the temple. So he holds that it is in fact considered the mamun, the value of the people who have been Makadashir, who have said that it's going to be holy to the temple. It still belongs to them. And therefore, there's going to be an obligation to pay by whoever has caused this damage. It's how we learned in Abraisa. Mu'ala mal bashem, and if they shall go. It's talking about a case where you have a shomer, a person who's supposed to be watching something, and they go and they touch it, they, they take the object, they, they lend their, let their hand touch the object, so they're not allowed to do that. So the way that the verse refers to it is that they shall benefit from something which belongs to God. What is it? Why does it say that? The rabbis coach him This is coming to say that even in a case where you have something which is a light level kedusha of holiness, a sacrifice, shehem amona, that's considered his that that he's actually damaged something which belongs to the person that he's supposed to be watching it for. It's not considered that he damaged something which belongs to the temple. holds. We have a mission on the kaddish that if someone tries to marry a woman with his portion, it's talking about a Kohen, he's using something from the base of Migdosh to, to marry her. We're talking about a high level of holiness or a low level of holiness, and Mekudeshes. So the Kohen does not have the right to do that. It's not considered that it belongs to him. So let us say that that Mishnah is not like Rabbi Yosei Aglili. The Gemara answer is no. We could even say that the Mishnah is like Rabbi Yosei Aglili. When does Rabbi Yosei Aglili say that it's considered that it belongs in a certain sense to the original owners who were Makadishir who said that it, belonged, that it should be dedicated to the Temple? That's talking about when the animal is still alive, before it's been sacrificed, before it's been slaughtered. But after it's been slaughtered, even Rabbi Yosei Aglili would agree that whenever the owners or the Cohen, the priest, is getting the food. So now that it's been slaughtered already, it completely belongs to the temple. And when they get it, so it's considered like they're getting it from the temple itself and has absolute holiness. And therefore, at that point, it doesn't. it's not considered that it actually belongs to the person who's eating it. So theoretically, if any damage was caused to it at that point, so there would be no obligation to pay for it. But over here in our Mishnah, where we're implying that there could, you could have a holy thing, that there is an obligation to, to pay for it, even though normally we see that there's no obligation to pay for holy things, that's because it's considered that it still belongs to the Bailam, to the original owners because the animal is still alive it hasn't been slaughtered yet. 
So another Gemara asks, Is it true that he holds that when it's still alive, it's considered the Mammon Bailim? It belongs to the original owners? If we're talking about a Bachar, the firstborn animal, so it's permitted to sell it while it's still alive, Ubalmum, and when it when it becomes a balmum, when it gets any kind of blemish on it, chai v'shachut, whether we're talking about where it's alive or whether you slaughtered it. Meaning, if it still belongs to the temple, so you're not allowed to sell it if you slaughtered it because you did something which was forbidden. However, as long as it's still alive, so one kohen who belongs to is allowed to sell it to a different kohen, uh, that's if it didn't get any kind of mum yet, it didn't get any kind of blemish. And once it got a blemish, so it's permitted to be eaten, so therefore even if it's slaughtered, he's allowed to sell it. Umakashim b'yisa isha, and he's allowed to go and marry a woman with it. Amar Nachman, Amar Rabbi Barabur, Rav Nachman said the name of Rabbi Barabur, He said it's only, when do we say that this is true? Only in regards, when is it considered like it's his in a certain sense? Only in regards to a, a Bechor, a firstborn animal in, in our times, when there's no base there's no temple, and it can't be brought on the altar. Since it's not fitting to be brought in the base HaMikdash as, as a sacrifice, So the, the Kohanim, they have... In a certain sense, it's considered theirs. But in the time when the temple was still around, the Chazilakrava, when it could in fact be bought light, so then it's not considered that it belongs to the to the kohen, to the owners. The Eisvi Rav Rav Nachman. So Rav asks Rav Nachman on this. He says, "How could you tell me that in the times of the Beis Hamikdash, so a bechor is considered the mammon, the value that belongs not to the Bailam, it doesn't belong to the person, but rather it belongs to the Beis Hamikdash." That's what we just said. But Rav Yisiaglili says explicitly when it comes to Kachim Kalim, a light level of kedusha, which the Gemara seems to think, at least in the Havamina, that a bechor is considered the same thing. So Rav Yisiaglili clearly says that it's considered that it belongs to the people who are the original owners. So what's, what's going to be the understanding? That's the stira that Rav asks Rav Nachman. So what did he respond? Mashani Ravina, and Ravina answered, it's that why were there is it considered that it's his? Because Rabbi Yossi Akhlili is talking about a case where a Bechor, which is outside of Israel, as according to Rabbi Shimon, that if they came and they're complete, it's only because that they were brought, but if not, meaning that they were outside of Israel and they couldn't be brought, that in fact it is considered that it's their thing, it's not necessary for them to actually bring it. And if it would be true that Rabbi Yossi HaGlili said that it's considered his when it's still alive, like we just said previously, so onto the top of Yudgim Al, page 13a, Lishni, so we should have answered, Ravina shouldn't have answered as he answered, but rather, he should have said like this, that the, the first b'risa, so that's the rabbis who hold that in fact, it's not considered his when it's still alive. And the, the second b'risa, that's Rabbi Yossi HaGlili, he holds differently. He holds that it is considered his when it's still alive. Why don't we answer that? So that's to prove that we're mistaken. Amr Lecha, so we change it to Amr Lecha, that he'll answer you like this. Ma'aton is kahuna ka'amris. Bechor is considered one of the presents of the kahuna. Shani ma'aton is kahuna diki kazachu mishulchan gavoy kazachu. Something like Bechor is completely different because it never belonged to anybody. And therefore, when the Kohen gets it, he's getting it from the Beis Hamikdash. And therefore, that's why it's considered that that it's not considered the mammon of the Bible, it's not considered his thing. However, in regards to Shlamim, let's say a case where someone's bringing a Korban Shlamim, which is Kachim Kalim, which is a light level of Kedusha, so over there, so it originally belonged to him. And therefore, when he says that it's considered hectish, that's where Rabbi Yossi is going to say that it only advances the level of hectish to a certain extent, but it still belongs to him in a certain ex- to a certain extent as well. Whereas Bechor, so it was never belonging to anybody, and therefore that's not considered the Mammon Bailim.